He scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, the left corner to Aguila. Aguila the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by all Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk. Starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. All right, it's already Wednesday, February 22nd as we kick you off this hour on the program. Pat and Wes coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wes Gilbertson of Post Media with us this hour. And reminder, we're on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And as we kick off this hour, it... uh, it kind of sunk in for me on Tuesday night exactly the situation the Flames are faced in. So Tuesday, Flames are idle. Minnesota wins. I guess the only good news was that that did not go to extra time. So they beat L.A. in regulation. Edmonton beats Philadelphia. Vegas gets a point against Chicago. And Nashville is able to hold on and beat Vancouver. So the Flames now four back of the Minnesota Wild for the final playoff spot in the Western Conference with even games played, no games in hand, nothing like that. There's seven back of third and fourth in the Pacific, currently held down by Seattle in third and with one more game played, Edmonton. And they're only three up on Nashville who have two games in hand. And I guess, I guess it, Wes, it just kind of sunk it's in. It's not great, Pat. No. It's not great news. No. I was and, and when I looked at the standings on Tuesday night, I was like, oh, yeah, okay. This is this is where they are. They they have a significant hill to climb here. And as much as I think Minnesota is vulnerable and as much as I don't think they're a great team, they're not a bad team. They're not they're not a team that all of a sudden is going to go so in the toilet the Flames will have an easy time reeling them in. So it just it just maybe sunk in with 25 games to go, which is not a small amount of time, but is also not a huge chunk of games either. This all of a sudden has become rather daunting for the Flames to get where they want to go. A, in a Pacific Division playoff spot, which I'm almost at the point where I'm like, yeah, don't even think about that. Or B, just to be in the postseason when it's all said and done. Well, for starters, you shouldn't be surprised that it really started to sink in last night because four points out, which is where the Flames find themselves, is actually the worst spot they've been in. That's the worst predicament we've seen this team in so sense. far this season. Yep. They were... They've been three points out a couple times, but, uh, you know, I went through this morning and and did the research, and and this is the deepest they've been out of a playoff spot. Now, they could change that tonight in Arizona, obviously, against the Coyotes, but you're absolutely right. This is daunting, and, and I think you hit the nail on the head of what makes it the most daunting is that you really only have one route in now. At least it sure looks like that way. So, yeah, maybe you can go reel a bunch off, but we have not seen signs that these Calgary Flames are about to do that. So if you essentially rule out catching teams ahead of you in the Pacific Division, you've got one spot, and and that's going to be the wild card that you're kind of going heads up for now with the Minnesota Wild. So it's going to make March 4th and 7th, those two games and four nights against the Wild, especially critical. But when you look at being seven back of the Oilers, seven back of the Kraken, eight back of the Kings, eight back of the Vegas Golden Knights. You're in a bad spot all of a sudden. You're I, I shouldn't say a bad spot, but you're in a you're in a troubling spot. You're you're 
I don't even know if it's. I don't even like. I can't even sit here and say that. Well, they're in a tenuous playoff spot because they're not. They're 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 just barely hanging on to being relevant at this point. Because because right now with where Nashville is, it's not like they can just completely write off the fact that the Predators are right behind them with games in hand. They're the only team that has games in hand in the Western Conference right now. And after tonight, you have a murderer's row of opponents coming up. You know, you better beat the Arizona Coyotes because then your schedule in the next week and change looks like this. Vegas Golden Knights, the best team in the Pacific Division, at least for my money. Followed up by the Colorado Avalanche, defending Stanley Cup champions. Boston Bruins running away with the President's Trophy. Toronto Maple Leafs, a top dog that just made a, a couple of massive additions. And so as you look ahead... You better not be looking too far ahead to to March 4 and 7 against the Minnesota Wild because if the Calgary Flames, and perhaps the good news is that they've played some of their best hockey against some of the toughest competition, but you know if the Calgary Flames don't get through this stretch in at least no worse spot than they're in today, yeah. then they're really facing a steep climb. And I guess the saving grace is those or are those two games and and is that set with Minnesota in early March? That's the one saving grace is that, okay, you sweep those two and all of a sudden any of the the deficit that that might still be there could be erased. But it just, it's, it's actually hard to wrap your head around what we thought this team was going to be coming in. What we kind of felt even, and, and certainly you get off to a 5-1 and one start to the year and you think to yourself, okay, this, this group looks like they're going to be a good team again. And then... Feels like a long time ago, doesn't it? Feels like the preseason. It, it, it feels like that was an extension of the preseason that just happened to count in the regular season standings. And ever since then, it's it's been this up and down and this roller coaster and this frustrating inconsistency. But... For months, we've been talking about, and I know that you and I are on the same page on on the trade deadline, so we don't even necessarily need to go there. But the fact that many people, not everybody, but many people are very adamantly of of the opinion that they should either sell or they should at the very worst stand pat at this trade deadline. The fact that we're there and the fact that it's not even March and and those conversations are being had and you can't laugh them off or say that's ridiculous, it, it shows you just how disappointing this season has been. And now the the actual raw facts of where they sit and the uphill climb that they are going to have to traverse here, they're, they're in a tough spot. And I, I don't even think it's it's, like you said, maybe it's not a bad spot. I think it is a bad spot. They were supposed to be they were supposed to be a team that built on the success they had last year could maybe be a team that was even better or harder to play against come the playoffs and right now they're staring at at completely missing and it won't be it won't be a surprise to anybody at this point if if they do end up missing. Well, let's veer to the trade deadline for one second because yeah. I, I want to share this. I had a chat just before the team left on the road trip with Brad Treliving, who you know I asked him about the quality of of the draft coming up and and would you be extra maybe wary of trading a a first-round pick? And he told me he hasn't given much thought to trading a first-rounder. I think that's going to be a sigh of relief for a lot of people, especially with the possibility that the Flames find themselves in that draft lottery, albeit not with a chance to move all the way up to number one, but you know, potentially if if the season finished today would be in line for for a spot in that lottery for a, you know, top 16 pick. And so, yes, that that's probably good news, but you're looking at a really tricky position 
for the Calgary Flames. They're not selling. They're four points out of a playoff spot. They don't have a ton of pending UFAs that uh, are going to move the needle. And yet, we're sitting here today talking about it being a better chance that they miss the playoffs than that they get in. And and you're absolutely right. It kind of snuck up on us. Like, it's kind of shocking to try to wrap your head around that. And the issue, the, the spot that they've put themselves in is that their fate is very much tied to what the Minnesota Wild do. And the Calgary Flames are not in the driver's seat there. No. So their season potentially hinges on now what Minnesota does down the stretch. If you win those two games, perhaps you shift that. But sitting here today with what a long shot it suddenly looks like that they can climb into a top three spot in the Pacific Division. Jeez, that's that's a startling realization. Your your season essentially could lie in the hands of the Minnesota Wild. Well, and and you know, if if just for a second on the trade deadline front, and and I talked to Frank Saravalli about this on Tuesday's program and just the idea of you know, there's there's been a couple of times now. I think this season is one example, but maybe it's not the best example. It was it was three or four years ago when the Minnesota Wild, the, it's not the Minnesota Wild, the St. Louis Blues, um, essentially said, "Yeah, we're not going to be buying. We're going to sell off a couple of assets that we don't see being with us long term. Recoup some assets. See what we've got with this group, our kind of core group. And if we make it in, great." If we don't, we didn't deserve to be there anyway because of the way we had played in the first 50 or 55. And there are some who have wondered about the idea of instead of standing pat with your NHL roster right now, talking about trading away Elias Lindholm or Rasmus Anderson or or uh, Jonathan Huberdo or Nazem Kadri or, or core members of this group that, that we all see being part of the team going forward. But what about a Nikita Zadorov who's got one more year left at a very palatable cap hit? Or what about Tyler Toffoli, who's got a really palatable cap hit for one more year and he's over 30? What about guys like that? If somebody comes calling and says, hey, you know, we've got a first round pick here that we're dangling. If you're Brad Tree Living, I think you would have hung up the phone even a month ago. I just don't know if you're tree now, if you can hang up that phone. I'm not saying you do it. I'm certainly not saying you chase it. But at the very least, you have to say, okay, let's have that chat because they're not in a playoff spot right now and we're nine days from the trade deadline. If I can agree and disagree with you at the same time. Please do. I, I disagree today. I don't think you're taking that call. I, I think four points out with a team that you feel is built for the playoffs, with a, a team that you feel has played some better hockey than than maybe they've been rewarded for because as Brad Schliven pointed out to me, they can't really finish at either end. They're not always getting the saves and and they're not getting the offensive pop. That all said, I don't think you can take those phone calls about selling pieces today. Now the trade deadlines next Friday. And between then and now you've got the Coyotes and then four really good teams in Vegas, Colorado, Boston and Toronto. If you, you know, let's say you go one and three in your next four, and you've got three days leading into the deadline, I think then you might be taking those calls. I just don't think you can take them quite yet. I I do think that you need to just being four out, see what this group might be capable of, kind of without, without adding to them, kind of bet on them a little bit. Right. But we could be having a very different conversation a week from now. 
Read you a few texts. Uh, this says, don't forget, they play Arizona a couple times, Vegas three times, Minnesota four times, L.A. twice. They don't play Minnesota four times, just twice. Um, but I get what you're saying. They still have a chance to get into the playoffs, and the potential to stop those teams from getting further ahead, they'll be fine. And, yes, there there still are some instances where they somewhat control their own destiny, which is is a nice spot to be in, but based on the way the first 57 games have gone, I understand the, the skepticism that would suggest, well, yeah, that's great. They have all those games, but what's to suggest they're going to make the hay they need to in any of those games or in any or with any of those opportunities to to move up the standings meaningfully enough to be where they want to be? I would uh, I would understand the counterpoint to that optimism, and I like the optimism. And and hell, as as Vickers and I said on Tuesday, it would be good if they got in. It'd be good for everybody. It'd be good for for who you write for. It would be good for your job. It'd be good for my job. It's just. It's more fun when the team that you cover is in the playoffs. You, that's what you do the job for is to cover the team when they're playing their most important games. I'd like to see them get in, so I appreciate the optimistic text. Yeah, and I've been saying this for a while, and, and this is not me saying, oh, look, I'm going to be right, because more often than not, I'm probably not, but I think this thing comes down to the wire. I do think these Calgary Flames are fighting for a playoff spot until right at the bitter end. I'm less optimistic today than I've been that they're going to get in. I still think they're they're too talented to miss, but I don't see this getting solved one way or the other in the next two Five games. Yeah, I, yeah. I just don't, I don't see it. And probably part of that is the fact that this team's been on a, a yo-yo all season, a roller coaster, yeah. as alternate captain Chris Tan have told us. And <clears throat> I don't necessarily see them going on another extended losing skid. And yet, at the same time, yep. I have trouble picturing a long winning streak as well. Uh, this from Joel and Clarezom says, Arizona's a smash spot. I'm not saying they need to win 6-1, but with a tough playoff battle ahead, tonight's a game you have to start on time, make saves early, and have your best players be exactly that. It's a game to build confidence in what the team's capable of and hopefully start a positive run as a team not necessarily in a great spot. Yeah, and I mean, that has been an issue all year is what they've done against teams that they should be beating. Uh, this says if the season ended today, Calgary would not be eligible to get Bedard. You can move up a maximum of 10 spots, so only the bottom 11 teams have a chance at Bedard. I don't I don't think at any point they'll be entering that conversation, um, as frustrating as that might be for some. I don't think we're going to see at any point the Flames being linked to Connor Bedard. It would be awesome. It would be neat. What a great stuff. I just don't think it's going to happen. No, and it's not quite confident. It's not going to happen, and yet I would be protective of that first round pick, anyways. Regardless, you can yep. move up ten spots. You know that that's going to get you up. Best case scenario, if the season ended today, to to fifteen or sixteen, still very unlikely. And yet you're talking about potentially having a pick in the top half of what is considered a really strong draft class. Calgary Flames don't. I'm sorry, Calgary Flames fans don't want to hear that today. You yep. don't, we don't want to be talking about who they might be able to get in the middle of the first round. That was not the expectation that was placed on this team. That That's probably not a result that speaks to the talent level, you know, to the way that Brad Treliving rebuilt this team in the offseason. And yet today, February 22nd, it's absolutely where they are. They're suddenly looking at longer odds. Not a long shot yet, but at longer odds yep. to get into the playoffs. And 
I just don't think anyone saw that coming. Not not today, that's for sure. Um, well, and I gave this theory on Tuesday coming out of the, the Philadelphia loss, and the the whole conversation about, well, they, they seem to look so good against Team A, and then against the worst Team B, they they look like them, and they they play down to their competition, and their their efforts have been infuriating, infuriatingly inconsistency, uh, in, inconsistent rather, yada yada yada. And I gave my theory on Tuesday about you know why it has been such a inconsistent year because they're an average team this year, and they're an average team because their best players have not been consistently high-end guys and and your highest paid player in a few months is going to be Jonathan Huberto he has not been one of your best players on a regular basis there have been nights like Saturday against the Rangers where he looked like a superstar but there have been nights where he's just been a guy in a jersey and so when you're talking about Huberto who has not been that guy consistently through 57 Nazem Kadri who's really struggled of late has not been that guy consistently all year. Obviously, Jacob Markstrom hasn't been that guy. Elias Lindholm hasn't been as two-way impact a maker as we're used to throughout the entire year. Those you could you could very easily say are the four most important players or four of the four of the group of the top group of most important players. Absolutely. And they haven't been consistently great. And when you're a team that is built on depth like the Flames are and don't have those generational talents that can close their eyes and take over a hockey game, you need your group of best players to be consistent impact makers. And that's something we have not seen this year, which is why, in my opinion, they've been average. And because they're an average hockey team, they look really good one night and they look really bad the other. And it's kind of like a guessing game or a roll of the dice as to what group you're going to get on an every given night. And that's the team that they're chasing. You could say the exact same thing about the Minnesota Wild because they're also just kind of an average hockey team right now. And I think this is what makes it so complicated if you're Brad Treliving working up to the trade deadline is that you're looking at it saying, geez, I haven't seen a ton of reason that this team can go on a run. I I haven't seen the consistency that would indicate this is a team that can be a force come playoff time. And yet on the flip side, I think you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, if I find us the right piece, maybe that's the difference between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs. Is that the piece that unlocks Jonathan Huberto? As we talked about he did Saturday looked like a superstar, a, a bonafide, Superstar, he was the best player on the ice, and yet those nights have been too few and too far between for the Calgary yep. Flames. You know, they have him playing against, or playing with, I'm sorry, another guy you mentioned in, in Nazem Kadri, who's been too hot and cold, especially of late for the Calgary Flames. And you touched on Jacob Markstrom, you touched on Elias Lindholm, two guys that were runner-ups for league-wide. Major awards. Yeah, yep. league-wide hardware last season. And, and so when you look at, all of that in its entirety. And to his credit, Elias Lindholm is the guy who doesn't belong in that bucket right now. He's, you know, he's played a lot stronger hockey over the past couple of months, at least from my vantage point. But when you add that all up, I don't know how optimistic you can be that this is about to change. You're asking a lot of key guys to just sort of turn on a dime there. And at some point when you've got 
if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, if this happens, well, that's too many ifs. Yeah. And the fact that they're relying on as many ifs right now is kind of a testament to how frustrating this year has been for them. Here's uh, This is Ryan Huska, Flames assistant coach. He spoke to Lou uh, Peter Labardius on Wednesday morning ahead of the game against the Arizona Coyotes. I want to play you uh, this part of it because uh, Lou asked him, you know, in, in his experience, what do the teams that are consistent, what allows them to be consistently strong groups? And, and I thought Ryan Huska kind of added to the conversation that, that we're having right now. I think with the teams that are consistent, Lou, um, they have people that come to the rink every day and they are prepared to play the exact same way. It doesn't matter if you're on a stretch of winning two or three in a row. It doesn't matter if you've been on a stretch where you've lost a couple in a row. Those people approach every day the same. Um, and they look at it as an opportunity to get better as an individual and as a team. And when you have a group of people, like a lot of people in that area that want to be that way and, and desire to be that type of person, um, then eventually your team follows suit. So the challenge for teams that are inconsistent, I think comes down to preparation. A lot of time, a lot of times, um, the teams that go up and down a little bit, um, maybe at certain times have a tendency to take their foot off the gas in regards to their preparation, where when you look at the best players in the league and the best teams in the league, um, things don't change from day to day. It's always the same. And they, they really work to stay above the line all the time. So there isn't a lot of fluctuation in their game. So that was Ryan Huska from earlier on Wednesday. Kind of kind of just adds to what we were talking about. They need their best guys to start being that description. They need their most important players, highest paid players, however you want to gauge it. They need those guys to start being that. And you know, that's my first time hearing that. And it's absolutely fascinating. You know, one of the things we haven't, question it and yet you start talking about everything when when things start to go awry one of the things we haven't heard much about is preparation and yet when you're a team that has not consistently started games the way you need to I think that's absolutely fair to question as well yep um just uh one thing before we uh get to the daily flames roundtable on this uh Wednesday edition of flames talk um, first of all, Dan Vladar is going to get the start, it sounds like, on Wednesday in Arizona. But a lot of people were buzzing about Luke Shen on Tuesday. You know, as, as we transition the talk about the, the frustrating nature of this year for the Flames and, and where they sit in the standings, uh, there was a lot of buzz about Luke Shen. And the reason why is that, you know, in a, I don't know, an hour hour time frame on Tuesday we found out that Michael Stone was going on IR and then we found out that Luke Shen wasn't playing Tuesday night against the Nashville Predators and he was going to sit out for trade related reasons so there was lots of ooh connecting the dots like is there is that just a coincidence and I checked in with a couple of people was told that you know the Flames really haven't been close on on Shen now that can always change but the word I got from three or four people on Tuesday was yeah, they're not really close. Like it's not it's not like something that oh, watch out. Flames and Shen are are at the 1 yard line or anything like that. They have not been one of the teams that has been closest to all around it to this point. So I was it, I I came away with the impression on Tuesday that yes indeed, Stone going on IR and Shen being sat out was indeed just a coincidence and there was there was no dot to be connected there. Yeah, and I checked around on that as well and and Luke Shen and and his wife are expecting a child. Uh, in early March. And so, you know, the person I chatted with or or one of the people I reached out to 
indicated that they don't necessarily think Shen joins his new team until that new arrival. And so when you start to connect the dots, as as so many of us were, right-handed defenseman on IR for the Calgary Flames, well, who could you get to fill that third-pairing yep. spot? I, I just don't think that he's a guy who would be flying over the mountains or down to Las Vegas to join the Flames right away. It doesn't sound that way. And perhaps that is part of the reason that there's not a ton of interest there. We know that this is a player that Daryl Sutter likes. We know that he could potentially fill a need for the Flames on the blue line. And yet, as we've talked about on this show in the past, I wonder how much you're willing to pay to upgrade your sixth defenseman. And for me, Luke Shen's probably still in that conversation. Here's uh, a little bit more. I asked uh, Frank Saravalli on Tuesday, our NHL insider, hey, are like how close do we believe the Flames are, are close or one of the teams close on Luke Shen? I don't believe they are. Um, and I don't, in fact, I don't think it's intensified. I think where they're at is they've gotten enough calls on him to know that they're likely going to move him. They've seen other players get banged up, including most recently Timo Meyer, and we don't think that injury is serious. But it's enough to say we we have something on the line. We don't know where it is yet or when, but we're gonna sit this guy out, protect the asset, and you know until a trade is consummated, he's not gonna play again. So sounds like a nothing imminent when it comes to Shen leaving Vancouver. And B, doesn't sound like the Flames are as of right now. And again, there's nine days until the deadline. This stuff can always change. Uh, and I do think that they there's interest in the player. But in terms of actually hooking up on a deal, uh, last check, that was not something that uh, was, was very close. And there are many other teams closer. But as we know, those things can change in the blink of an eye. If I could have just a moment here for a side rant. Yeah. The NHL needs to do something about this trade-related reason scratching. And, and I understand why teams want to protect the assets, but we started this, what, three weeks out from the deadline yeah. with Jacob Chikrin? You know, we've, we've seen guys who have now for several days been consistently scratched, and we're still more than a week out from the trade deadline. I don't know how you address it, but... In a league that prides itself on parity and competitive, competitive balance, balance. Yep. you just can't have this many guys sitting out for this long. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm sure if the NHL tried to act on it, the next thing you'd hear is, oh, well, he's, you know, he's got the flu or whatever. There's too many ways around it. And yet it's really been rubbing me the wrong way these, you know, last nine or 10 days or, or whenever it started with Jacob Chickren, because this is too long for whatever caliber of player, a star in Chikrin's case, you know, a, a role player in, in Shen's case. It's too long before the deadline, from my vantage point, for guys to be sitting out. If you're the Minnesota Wild, you're sure wishing that the Arizona Coyotes had their best defenseman in action tonight against the Flames, right? Yeah. yeah. And if the shoe was on the other foot, you'd feel the exact same way. Yeah. I don't even know if there is a way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brainstorm ways that they can fix that because I'm with you. I do think it messes with the competitive balance and you're purposely not icing your best lineup. And 
yeah, I do think that there's something to that if uh, if you're the Flames. By the way, or not the Flames, just if you're the NHL, I think there's something to that. Uh, by the way, we are nine days away from the 2023 NHL trade deadline, and our trade deadline wall-to-wall coverage Friday, March 3rd, will be brought to you by our friends at Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Takeout or delivery at 403-248-3344. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. This is Flamestock. Join the conversation at 960-960. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Daily Flames Roundtable time on this Wednesday edition of the program brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Wednesday roundtable. And, uh, Willsy, credit to you. You did the math. Uh, you have done the hard research, and you went through and looked, and uh, you did yeoman's work. So I'm going to steal the stat, but I'm going to make sure that you are the one that gets credit because you did uh, you did do this legwork. So as uh, Willsy put on Twitter today, uh, the Flames are 11, 11 and 6 in games this season against teams right now that are out of the playoffs. Uh, however, are 15 at 9 and 5 against teams that are currently in the playoffs in either conference. So, gentlemen, as they get set to take on Arizona Wednesday and then Vegas and Colorado Thursday, Saturday, it's that first record we're focusing on against non playoff teams, a 500 record against non playoff teams. How crucial is that going to be to change between now and the end of the regular season? Well, I think it's safe to say if it doesn't change, the Flames will not be playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs for a second straight season. So uh, I would say that it's uh, pretty important. And really, it's that roller coaster ride we've been talking about uh, for the last number of weeks or even months. Uh, There have been some high highs and there have been some low lows. And the Flames have beat some of the best teams in the league and have been beaten by some of the worst teams in the league. And it would be easy for me to say that they can't lose against the Coyotes tonight because uh, not mathematically, but realistically, they can't lose against the Coyotes tonight. But here's the problem. The Coyotes have picked up a point in nine straight games. It's their longest point streak in more than a decade. And during that stretch of games, uh, if you go back one game further, so they've picked up at least a point in nine of their last 10, they've got wins against uh, a lot of playoff teams. Uh, the Golden Knights, uh, the Blues aren't a playoff team, but they've got a win against them. The Wild, the Predators aren't a playoff team, but aren't that far far out. The Lightning and the Blue Jackets. So, you know, this is a Coyotes team that you can't take lightly. And uh, having chatted with Walker Dewar earlier today, I get the sense that uh, that's the same message that the coaches have passed on to the players going into this game, but it's got to change. And the good news is if the Flames do get to the Stanley Cup playoffs, they're not going to have to worry about playing down to their competition because uh, chances are they're probably going to get in as the number eight seed in the Western Conference. And I I think they've played up to their competition in a lot of games this season, but they've got to, as we've talked about, get off the roller coaster. And for me, a big part of that is to stop playing down to their competition. Don't play down to the Coyotes tonight. Play them as 
if you're battling them for a Stanley Cup playoff spot, because even though you're not battling them directly, you're battling them in a game and you kind of need to the two points to potentially put yourself in a position to get back to the postseason. So, Pat, if if they don't start playing better against non-playoff teams and they've got 12 games left against teams that are currently on the outside looking in right now, then I don't think they're going to get in. I was I was thinking a little bit today, just trying to figure out why it's been such a struggle against non-playoff teams. And, and you know, that's a just about a, a 600-point percentage against non-playoff teams. So it's not... It's not like they're sub 500 against them, but you would expect better. And thank you, Wilsey, for doing the math. You would expect better than 15, 9, and 5 against non playoff teams. No, that's against playoff that's teams. That's against playoff teams. They're Sorry. 11, 11, 11 whatever. Yeah. 11, 11, and 6. So they are 500 against non playoff yeah. teams. Okay. I was, I had that wrong in my mind, which now makes it even worse. <laughs> just tr- doesn't it <laughs> trying to kind of come up with a, a couple of ideas for why it's been such a struggle and there's two that stick out for me I, I don't necessarily think it's a case of taking them lightly I, I don't think there's a lack of respect there yet and I think we saw this big time on family day against the the Philadelphia Flyers that game turned into a loosey-goosey track meet early on and it took the Calgary Flames right away from their game plan. It took them so far away from the type of hockey that they need to play to have success. And I think that's been a recurring theme against non-playoff teams is, is that the Calgary Flames just seem to way too easily stray from what they do best. And, and what they do best is that check for your chances, sometimes low event, high shot volume, but sometimes low event type hockey. And the other thing that I think has been an issue, and it's something I'd be wary of tonight against the Arizona Coyotes, is non-playoff teams more often than not become sort of young rebuilding teams. And young rebuilding teams are often teams that have really good speed. And we've seen that give the Calgary Flames fits. If I look back to some of those games against non-playoff teams that I now know the Calgary Flames are 11-6 against, you're welcome. I did that all by myself. <laughs> that's been a real issue. That that speed has been something that the Calgary Flames have really struggled against. And, and that's something that I think, whether it's tonight in Arizona or or when you look ahead at, at some of the lesser lights coming up on the schedule, I think that's something they really need to be wary of. Well, and, and the other thing is, I, I thought that that comment that we heard from Ryan Huska earlier this hour, it, it really hit home with me in that. And, and essentially, if you missed it, Wills, he basically said, you know what? The, the teams that are consistent have their best guys and, and have their group prepared to play and ready to play the same way every night. And, and that's, just, that's just something that we haven't seen. And, and I think what it comes down to is the fact that if you're an NHL team, doesn't matter if you're a high-end team, middle-of-the-road team, or a not-so-great team, you typically bring your A game against the really good teams. And, and you know, I take a look at those some of the upsets that we've seen from Columbus. I look back to last year. The Avalanche ran rough shot over everybody, won the Stanley Cup. Ask how many times they beat the Arizona Coyotes in the regular season, right? And, and so sometimes, you know, the, the, these not-so-great teams, yeah, they get up for really good teams. So 
Anybody can beat a good team in the regular season, a top-end team in the regular season um, on a, on a one-off. But it's the ability to be able to bring it against a team like Arizona on a Wednesday night at 7.30 in front of 5,000 people that sets you apart from being a middle-of-the-road team. And and what sets you apart is by Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdo and, and Elias Lindholm and, and your most important players. I'd say Markstrom, but he's not going in net. But your most important players to set the tone and drive the bus and have everybody else get on board. So that, that to me is what's going to be important. And to answer my own question, that's going to be how they end up changing the record against the not so great teams. And yes, obviously that might be the most important thing that determines whether or not the flames make the playoffs or not. And that's been maybe the most surprising thing for me, guys, the flames are a veteran hockey team. They've got seven players who have Stanley Cup rings. Actually, I shouldn't say that. They've got seven Stanley Cup rings inside of that dressing room. Uh, Blake Coleman's got a couple, and uh, Trevor Lewis has got a couple, and then they've got uh, a few other guys who each have one. And Daryl Sutter, of course, has a couple of Stanley Cup rings. And uh, maybe that's actually part of the problem, is that those guys know that really it doesn't matter uh, until you get to the playoffs. But the thing is, you've got to get to the playoffs. But you would think that when you've got a, a veteran hockey team with that much experience, they would know better than to take these teams lightly. And I do think that there's been a little bit of that this season, not front of mind because the coaches have tried to make sure that isn't in their minds at all, but more back of mind. When you look at the other team on paper and you know that you have more talent than them and more experience than them, uh, I think you can get tricked into thinking the game's going to be too easy, but it's happened so many times to the Flames this season. Hopefully they've learned a lesson and it won't happen again. And, and I've got a, a few other things. I've been trying to wrap my head around this since digging up the stat earlier today. The Flames haven't been one of the top teams in the league this season, but they were one of the top teams in the league last season. And I think way more often than not, they're getting teams A games this season. So I think that's been a part of it. Uh, another part of it is goaltending. There's a lot of parity in the NHL, uh, more and more every season, it seems. And if your goaltender is better than the guy at the other end of the ice, your team's going to win the game more often than not. And there have probably been too many nights where the guy at the other end of the ice has been better than the guy between the pipes for the Flames. So I think that's probably been a factor as well. And, you know, it's just a team that has really struggled to, to string wins together and to build all of the intangibles that we've talked about, belief and confidence and momentum and swagger. So we'll see if they can start to get something going here. This feels like a really important game to start this three-game road trip, guys, because you've got two tough games to follow. Second half of a back-to-back against a, a Golden Knights team that you're trying to chase down in your division, even though it's going to be tough to do that. And then you've got the defending Stanley Cup champion Avalanche to wrap up the road trip. So, I don't know. Feels like two points the Flames need tonight, guys. And and this, what we're talking about in terms of their very mediocre record against non-playoff teams, this is an issue because of where the Calgary Flames are in the standings. Yeah. I, I promise you... They're not going deep on talk radio today in Vegas about the Blackhawks beating the Golden Knights in a shootout last night. But for a team that struggled to gain traction in terms of winning streak or winning streaks and a team that has now found itself four points out of a playoff spot, when you let those ones get away... Yep. And when you had a habit of letting it get away against a third string, maybe rookie goaltender, 
it becomes a big issue. You can't sweep those ones under the rug when you're in the position that the Flames are in. And that's why this is such a hot topic. Yep. And Wes, really to flip that around, if they had a better record against non-playoff teams, they wouldn't be where they are in the standings. Absolutely. They'd be top three in the Pacific Division. Yeah. Uh, he's Derek. He's Wes. I'm Pat. Daily Flames Roundtable. Well, kind of mm, smaller picture. Walker Dewar back with the team. Walker Dewar back in the lineup, it looks like, Wednesday against the Coyotes. Guys, I'm just curious. We've we've seen him now. It's been, it's been a nice story. We've seen him for a good chunk of games this season. We saw him last year in training camp and, and what he did with Stockton, so on and so forth. How close do we believe Walker Dewar is to being just a bona fide, full-time NHL forward? It's a tough question for me to answer, Pat, because... Right now, I feel like the Flames are just looking for something on their fourth line. Uh, and I say that because, you know, Brett Ritchie missed 14 games due to injury, at least most of 14 games due to injury. I'm not sure when he was ready to return, but didn't play for 14 straight games. And then played in a couple, and I thought he was okay. But uh, I think they're looking for more than just okay. And, you know, Adam Rzitska has been an absolute enigma this season. Right now, he's pointless in 16 games and goalless in 27 games. But when you look at his body of work, 20 points in 41 games is pretty good. The problem is all 20 of those points came in a 24-game span from November 8th to December 23rd. Didn't have a point before that. uh, Hasn't had a point since then. So uh, after playing in a couple of games, he comes back out. And now it's Walker Dewar's turn to try to grab onto a spot on the fourth line and and hold onto a spot. And uh, he's been pretty productive playing in a similar-ish role with the Wranglers this season. More productive, obviously, at the AHL level. And especially productive since getting sent down the last time. He's up to 15 goals and 26 points in 41 games. And when you're playing on the fourth line in the NHL, you're not expected to produce points. It's kind of a bonus. But, you know, he's a guy who is a big body at 6'2", 210. Uh, is a pretty good skater for a big guy, can get in there and uh, do a little banging and crashing on the forward check. And uh, when I asked him about it when he had a, a really brief chat earlier today, uh, he said his role really doesn't change all that much going from the AHL to the NHL, which should make the transition easier for him. And he's got a couple of goals in eight games with the Flames this season. But again, for me, that's a bonus. Uh, what the Flames need from their fourth line, in my opinion, is just a group that they can first and foremost trust. You want that line to be able to play, depending on how much special teams time there is, uh, 12, 13, 14, 15 minutes. Uh, if you're playing in a game where you've got the lead most of the night and feel like you can roll through your four lines in three pairings. And if Walker Dewar earns the trust of Daryl Sutter and the coaching staff, uh, I think he has the type of skill set that he can be an effective fourth-line player, especially playing alongside of uh, two veteran Stanley Cup champions and Trevor Lewis and Milan Lucic, and it looks like that's who he's going to be playing with tonight. How close is he to being a full-time NHLer? Here's the issue I have answering that question, guys. I think it depends partly on him, and I think it depends partly on the guys that he's battling with for a spot on that line, Adam Rzitska and, and Brett Ritchie, and you know those are kind of his competition right now. So... Uh, Dewar gets a chance tonight, and uh, if you're him, you have to know that the leash is probably pretty short, so uh, take the ball and run with it. Don't drop it. Pretty good opportunity for Walker Dewar to show that he should be a full-time NHLer, and especially, and not to get too deep into off-season mode just yet, obviously, with what lies ahead, but, you know, Trevor Lewis is is an expiring contract. Brett Ritchie is an expiring contract. Those are the two guys that more often than not 
skate on the right side yeah. of your fourth line. Walker Dewar's done some penalty killing with the Calgary Wranglers. That's certainly something that you're going to be asking the guy in that role to do moving forward. And, and so on a team that I think needs more speed, I love the way he skates. I, I think he can bring an element to the fourth line. And I don't know how long he's up. I don't know how long he might be in for, but pretty good opportunity to show he can be a full-time NHLer. Yeah, I, uh, I guys, I see... I see a lot of, um, I don't know, the. it just feels like one of those signings that could end up being like diamond in the rough, found money, whatever term you want to use. It reminds me a lot of Garnet Hathaway, reminds me a lot of Josh Juris, and both those guys gave the Flames some really quality minutes that they didn't really have to, like, it's not like they expended no effort on them, but they, they, they were kind of found money. They were unsi- undrafted players. They signed as free agents and they identified well and developed well, and then turned in to in Hathaway's case, a long-term bonafide NHLer in Juris's case, a bonafide NHLer for a couple of seasons. I, I see a lot there with Dewar. I think, I think he's close and I like the speed he brings to the bottom six forwards. I like the edge he brings to the bottom six forwards. And, and I think what we've seen from Brett Ritchie since he's been back, I think Dewar brings a little bit more right now. And that's coming from the world's biggest bet, Brett Ritchie fan. Uh, I just think Walker Dewar has has brought a lot to that spot. So I think he's close. I, I think I don't think it would be a surprise if training camp breaks in September of this year and Walker Dewar is on the opening day roster because I, I think he's that close to being an everyday guy. I don't have time to look it up because I know we're probably short for time here, but who was it that Brett Ritchie got into a fight with earlier this season when he got injured? Do you guys remember? Borvietsky? That was last season oh, when he got injured. That was last season? Okay. Yeah, my point is, and we can look it up later, but my point is I don't think he's been the same player since then. I don't think he's played with the t- same type of edge since that fight, and it's it's been tough in his defense because he's been in and out of the lineup uh, due to injury and, and as a healthy scratch. But uh, if you're a doer, you've got to bring something to the table that uh, the older, more experienced players don't. And that's one exciting thing for me is that you know some of these less experienced NHLers, not necessarily young guys, because uh, in Dewar's case, he's 25 years old, and you know the other guy we've talked a lot about of late, uh, Dennis Gilbert, he's 26. So they're not young per se, but they're young by NHL standard just based on games played. But you know some of these guys who have been pushing at the AHL level are now starting to get opportunities at the NHL. NHL level, so that's exciting. Uh, I talked earlier about trust and how important that is if you're uh, a guy like Walker Dewar trying to get called up, uh, trying to get in the lineup and trying to stay in the lineup. The other thing, if you're playing on the fourth line, and I think you guys will agree, you can't spend significant time in the defensive zone. I think when Trevor Lewis and Milan Lucic and whoever they're playing with are most effective is just when they get pucks in deep, as cliche as that might sound, and they spend time in the offensive zone. They don't even have to do anything with that time. Just spend time there and set the table for the next line that comes off the ice. And I think if Dewar can help Lewis and Lucic do that, then he's got a chance to to stick in the lineup. Thank you, Wilsey. See you soon. Okay, see you soon. He's Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. I'm Pat Steinberg. That's your Wednesday Daily Flames Roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary airport. I like Dewar. I I think that he is the perfect fourth-line player in the NHL right now. Young, inexpensive, plays with speed, little bit of edge, 
I'm not going to say there's a lot of offensive upside there, but there's some. He can finish he on can his chances. He can finish his chances. I'd like to see Walker Dewar get a run. And maybe just for cap roster reasons, it doesn't happen this year. But I'd like to see him get a run at some point of like 30 games. Give him 30 games and let's see what we're talking about. You can find a Garnet Hathaway there. If you can find uh, an everyday NHLer that you can be paying in and around a million bucks a year, maybe a little less depending on how, that's that's valuable to have in this day and age in the NHL. Bonus points, too, from the newspaper, man. If he's as quotable as Garnet Hathaway and Josh Juris, who you mentioned earlier, keep him around. Yep. I'm uh, big, big fan of both those guys. Uh, let's wrap things up this hour. Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg. It's uh, time for our Wednesday Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. We went 500 on Tuesday night. So I'm guaranteeing you that we will not be 500 out of Wednesday's action. We did two best bets on Tuesday. We've got three for you on Wednesday, so we will not have an even record coming out of Wednesday's action. By the way, Tuesday, we hit Jonathan Marcheseau. He went way over two and a half shots. Steven Stamkos, despite having two shots in the first 10 minutes, finished with two shots, and uh, he did not go over three and a half shots. So one and one on Tuesday. Here's what I got for Wednesday's action. I've got Michael Backlund over two and a half shots for the Flames on the road in Arizona. Uh, I just love the way Backlund's playing of late, and I just think there's an opportunity against the Coyotes team that can sometimes bleed shots. I like Jason Robertson of the Stars over three and a half against Chicago. Hawks are on the second half, but back-to-back on the road and not very good, so I love that. And I'm liking Nick Ehlers of the Jets over three and a half shots versus the Islanders. So Ehlers over three and a half Robertson over three and a half and Backland over two and a half take him to the bank those are your best bets I love it and uh, I can't echo enough what you said Michael Backland has been terrific lately for the Flames he's been outstanding uh Wes Gilbertson's on Twitter at Wes Gilbertson producers Cam and Taylor I'm Pat those are your best bets that'll wrap up the hour brought to you by Bodog.net find your next favorite game at Bodog.net hashtag make a play free play only 18 plus play responsibly